So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, welcome back to the podcast. Super happy to have my guy, Maddie G, on tonight. Just because I always like talking to Maddie G, but Maddie G, as I welcome you in, it's also really nice to take a break from Star Wars for a week, my man. Well, I'm happy to help you take a break from Star Wars because I have little to no interest in talking about Star Wars. There you have it. There you have it, guys. Straight from the horse's mouth. Um, not that you're a horse, but um, so yeah. Horse's uh, ass in my case. Yeah. So as as you guys know, because I'm, I'm mad, I, you know, I'm often referencing you as my DC guy along with Alistair because you two literally are the only two experts that I know well and get information from. Right. Um, like whenever I hear a rumor and I'm not sure if it's false, you know, I'll just go to Alistair and he'll just tell me what, what's going on. So it's great to have some DC talk this week. We're going to start with the CD. W um, with the main shows. Um, Matt's going to talk about that, and I have some questions for him. Uh, we agree there's not much movie news. I do want to talk about the Wonder Woman, a, a far pushback of the Wonder Woman date, um, because this, this leads to some bigger things. But other than that, we don't really have any major updates, other than every single DC movie keeps getting pushed back over and over again. Um, and then um, we're going to talk... Oh, Matt, I forgot to mention, Matt, like, uh, as part of Supergirl, uh, you wanted to tie in Batwoman in some other kind of larger issues when we get mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm not fully caught up with Doctor Who, but it's getting a very strong reception so far. Matt's seen it all. I've seen maybe two, I think, two episodes. Um, so we're going to do some very non-spoiler Doctor Who talk, um, just generally about Jodie Whittaker, the reception, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we have a couple more topics if we have time, but I think we'll start there, buddy. That sounds good. Yeah, I think that's that should be more than enough. Oh, and first of all, <laughs> congrats on the Red Sox, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, that was pretty cool. I lost a lot of sleep because uh, those were some goddamn long baseball games. They seriously need to figure out how to not have every ball game end at midnight because mm-hmm. it's killing. Mm-hmm. Even the ones that don't go 18 innings are going till midnight, and it's killing intra- like ratings because nobody can stay yep. up till midnight. Yep. I know, but baseball, it's ridiculous. Um, so normally I would be slightly more towards the Dodgers, especially because a lot of former Phillies end up on the Dodgers, and I like mm-hmm. some of their main players. But I have two words for you about why there was no way I was rooting for the Dodgers. Yasiel Puig is a fucking disgrace to sports, and the fact that the Dodgers don't have the balls or ability to get him under control or get rid of him is a disgrace, and I was happy for the Red Sox to give them a beatdown. Well... In general, I don't mind when people celebrate their homers a little bit. I think we should let these guys be personalities some. But when he hit a home run against the Red Sox and he just stood there with his hands in the air like he's Manny Ramirez, I was pretty unimpressed with that. And then when his team gave up the game-tying home run, I think this was all in 
the game three or maybe game four, I can't remember. And he just stood there sort of staring down his own pitcher. All that stuff is pretty lame. He's a young guy. I am looking for him to take another step in maturity. It did not make me like the Dodgers that they had both him and Manny Machado, who are both people who I don't think play the game with the the um, the respect for other people that I, I wish <laughs> they would have. Strongly disagree on Manny Machado, but I get in this argument with all my hardcore baseball fans. He so we spiked don't Dustin Pedroia and ruined his career. You will not convince, and he refused to run out a like. The Dodgers didn't have a double late in the game they were losing because yeah. Manny Machado spent too much time watching his hit. Yeah. No, that's I, unacceptable. Yeah. No, no, that, I l- let me let me rephrase. I think Manny can be saved with the right leadership. I don't think Puig can be saved. I could be wrong. I think well, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens when the Yankees give Manny Machado a ton of money, which they probably will. Mhm. I don't know if that's the right environment for him to, to learn whatever the lesson he needs to learn. Mm-hmm. I wasn't super impressed with either of them. It doesn't matter. The Red Sox won, so they can both go mm-hmm. lick their wounds of a, of a pretty bad attempt in the World Series. I mean, the, the Dodgers, to be frank, looked overmatched. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked Machado from an entertainment standpoint. I'm so glad he didn't come to the Phillies because it seemed like a possibility, and that would have been horrible for the locker room. Um, can I ask you one baseball question as a sports writer, and then we'll move on to all the topics, sure. which is um, I predicted back in 2013 that Mike Trout, after his six-year contract, would come to the Phillies being a Philly boy. And there's been more and more rumors that that's the case. Do you see from your vantage point any chance for a good but not amazing team that Mike Trout would, would come to Philly being only 28 and knowing that they would pay him probably close to half a billion dollars? If he could get a half a billion dollars, I'm sure he'd play mm-hmm. anywhere. He, but, I mean, if Philly can afford that much against the luxury cap, mm-hmm. sure, or the luxury tax, whatever they call it, there's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, I'm sure Mike Trout is just going to go wherever pays him the most money. Yeah. Um, I think his he hasn't quite lived up to what everybody thought he was going to be, but that's what happens a lot of times with, with really young stars. Well, being from South Jersey, he says that Philly and the Yankees would be his two options, but that aligns perfectly with what you just said, because those are two of the five biggest and richest cities uh, sure. out there. So that would be interesting to see. So, okay, man, well, let's jump into our topic. Cause I honestly don't give two shits about sports these days. No offense <laughs> to, your, to your career. I'm actually probably more interested in what you write about, about the, you know, the, young guys and the high um, schools when kids aren't poisoned and some of the politics hasn't ruined absolutely or the smaller colleges even right small colleges i don't have much of an interest in although wesleyan won a national championship in lacrosse last get out i swear to god they won the d3 national title that's awesome so go west but uh that's both of our alma maters for people who don't remember that's so cool Um, because i had a lot of lacrosse friends when we were like the, the only sport that i was friends with like a bunch of the guys was the lacrosse guys yeah um, I roomed my freshman year with one of the kids on the baseball team and Wesleyan's baseball team has been good. A couple of years ago, they made the D3 regionals, which was on Cape Cod. So I went to meet that coach and he actually remembered my roommates. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Word. but yeah, I mean the Red Sox were made it, were a lot more fun to root for than the Patriots these days. Cause I'm mm-hmm. pretty sick of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, uh, um, you don't have to get too specific on this because I don't want you to get too political on record. But right. is the situation in the in the in general in the states right now at all bleed into what you're doing, or be, being in New England, it's a little isolated from in what's going states, on in the states. What what are you talking about? 
just like everything around Trump and the, just the instability, I'm not asking you to take sides. I'm just asking you, it's, is politics, when it gets this poisonous, it starts to seep into every part of life? Is that something you've had to step lightly around or it's not been an issue? Well, we've done a couple of stories over the year, over the last couple of years about, you know, in the wake of Colin Kaepernick, how do local coaches feel about it? Do local co- do local high school teams have rules about the uh, you know how you stand or what you're supposed to do during the national anthem? What would they? What, how would a coach feel if a player wanted to kneel for it? So far, I've been covering football here on the Cape for four years, and I've never seen a player kneel or fail to stand exactly how the rest of his team is standing. Um, but in terms of the 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 race politics yeah. driving a lot of this in the NFL and making it really like unappealing to to follow that I haven't seen at the high school level in Massachusetts. I don't know if that's pro versus high school, if it's regional or what. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to tell you about that, but they play the national anthem at every ball game. Well, guys, when this gets released, it'll be the day before election day, and so I'm going to do my civic duty and tell you guys all to vote. Please go vote. We are not a democracy unless you vote. Um, even if you vote, there's things that can definitely go wrong. But the difference between a 50% turnout and like a 60% turnout is humongous. And even if you live in a liberal state and you say, ah, my district's going to win or my senator's going to win, it doesn't matter. We need to put up big numbers. And since you know, it's the, I'm not talking for Matt, but you know this is the Bizzlecast. I'm not saying vote for the Democrats, vote your conscience, but just know that the Republicans have mostly been supporting everything Trump has done. And he's starting to see more like Mussolini and Stalin by the day if you look at his body language and what he's talking about so I'm not saying vote against Republicans I'm also not not saying that so there you go uh, the civic duty was to vote and then the Bizzle's op-ed piece there was uh, in my opinion yeah. vote for the parties that will at least give t- or, or moderate Republicans that, that will give Trump a difficult time that's cool too just challenge that you know, we need the tripartite um, you know government structure and that means having opposition so I'll get off my high horse all I'll add to that is regardless of who you vote for, if you are a 20-something or a 30-something and you feel like politics isn't really speaking to the problems you face, well, that's because you're not a voting block that they're, that politicians feel like they need to go after. If we all go out and vote, then all of a sudden they need to start courting the 20s and 30s and you'll start hearing more legislation that directly speaks to us. So regardless of what district you vote in or what party you are affiliated with if you want your politicians to speak to you you need to show them that your voting block is worth attracting yeah i mean all the way back to fdr every time the democrats win it's because a ton of youth show up as recent as obama's two terms and then hillary partially lost among other reasons because she didn't get the same youth turnout so if you guys don't think you have the power you have the power sure um oh speaking really quick man it's He-Man, which leads me to think of Masters of the Universe, which leads me to think to Dolph Lundgren, which leads me to think of Creed 2, baby! I'm sorry, I gotta bring it up. I've totally forgot about it. I know you don't normally get excited about movies, but Creed 2 is just one of those, you know you're gonna be entertained, I think, no matter what. I guess. I mean, you're to so be special. honest, yeah. fighting Drago's son, that seems to me to be the kind of story that Sylvester Stallone would come up with and not Ryan Coogler. I'm sure it'll be well made. The fighting scene, the training scenes in the desert, whatever that is, looks pretty visually interesting. I don't know that I'm going to walk away from that movie thinking it's better than Creed.
No. I, and look, Ryan Coogler handpicked an, another young African-American director specifically. He's, from all I can tell, a very hands-on executive producer. They wouldn't have done it. I think this is for sure the last Creed movie. They, they wanted to do a sequel. They wanted to do two. Um, but man, the reason Creed was great was all of the relationship and training stuff. And so if the actual fight is only like 20, 15, 20 minutes, and it's mostly character building stuff, him dealing with his dad's legacy some more, which, you know, they didn't, get, they didn't deal with all that stuff in the last movie. So I would be happy if this was just a bookend to movie thing uh personally but uh, th- that's one of the most uh, dramatic moments in any movie ever when drago just kills uh, apollo creed so i think it could be Is cool it, i think it's pretty silly but i mean i don't know you're a philly guy your your relationship my to love the, to, no, the, to the uh, the yeah. rocky franchise is different than mine dude i i'm the first one to admit philly bias but i am telling you i wasn't even that much into rocky until creed came out and then i hadn't seen the movie since i was a kid and then when creed came out i went back and watched all the movies and honestly only one and maybe two are are good um uh the only other one is good yeah one is really good one is a really well-made movie Mm. that is very honest about boxing and has a real kind of point about validation. Mm-hmm. All the others are unnecessary and some are more fun than others, but all of them are differing levels of dumb. Maybe Rocky Balboa is okay. Creed 2 was not dumb and Creed 2 with a new format should have been nominated for an Oscar in my opinion. I mean, it's not even close. Creed was not dumb and Creed <laughs> should have been, of course Creed should have been. Yeah. That was crap. That that was total crap. That, and that got screwed. That somehow it only made like $150 million. I guess Michael B. Jordan's blown up a ton in the last couple of years, so that's going to help. Yeah, I think if Black Panther had came out first, Creed would have made like $500 million. Um, but, but when that came out, most people knew him as maybe, you know, they remembered him from The Wire or uh, um, Friday Night Lights or that shitty uh, Fantastic Four one, the, the fourth yeah. Fantastic Four movie, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, of which all uh, those actors, for the most part, are having amazing careers, which just goes to show that a bad script and director can tank the whole thing. And they've even apologized for it. Not Josh Trank, he'll never have another job again, but the writer. Uh, <laughs> I think Simon Kimberg wrote that. And uh, Simon Kimberg, while I love him, has written some bad movies, and Dark Phoenix is not looking good. We'll, we'll wait till we hear more about that with the Disney transition. My boys, Paul and, and, um, and, uh, and Sean from Superhero News, talked about. <laughs> like the Phoenix trailer is like exhibit 1A why Disney needs to take over the X-Men and I, I'm just not going to fight it um, anymore and uh, just to tease man uh, if we get towards the end with Wonder Woman I have a list of some of the big movies coming out next year it's all Disney and Fox and now Disney owns Fox so there's definitely right. a monopolization problem going on but we're not there yet we're going to stick with DC still doing it on the CW man I never thought Arrow would go six seasons and all these shows would be doing pretty well um, so as I mentioned Matt's going to st- uh, or maybe I didn't mention on the podcast Matt's going to start um, of the four main shows uh well five now because i'm gonna bring in uh, black pan uh, black lightning which is not okay it's not arrowverse but it's kind of arrowverse adjacent they mentioned sure. supergirl and vixen okay at some point i'm pretty sure there's gonna be a crossover maybe not this year but i i, I just feel like it's too obvious a crossover and at some point it's gonna happen I um, even though I only have like one graphic novel and don't know a ton about the character, I'm not sure why they didn't give Constantine more of a look. That seemed really good. 
Well, they all right. So we'll get. I mean, we can talk. We can jump in with Constantine. So Constantine, you got to remember, was not its own show on CW. It was on NBC. It got canceled. They brought John Constantine on as a guest character on Arrow. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they brought him in a couple of times last year with Legends, and now he is a recurring character on Legends. So they weren't going to give him his own show, but he is a... Oh, really? He's recurring? I had no idea. Yeah, he's been in both of the Legends episodes so far. Right. Um, and they just did a cartoon movie with Matt Ryan voicing him, mm-hmm. which I can't tell if it's canon or not, or it might be its own spinoff thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many great Vertigo comics, you know, uh, and I'm not sure. Like with Marvel, you know, they used to have like a rated R Marvel. Um, yeah, Max, and, I think it was called. Yeah, and that was Jessica. Jessica Jones was the first one. Yep. Um, and it's interesting, Matt, that they seem to be canceling all of the Netflix shows, but Jessica Jones at the moment seems untouched. It was something I predicted a long time ago was that I thought JJ could outlast the other ones. I know Punisher is getting another season, um, yes. but they're already filming JJ season three. Uh, and it'll be, the, the problem is, I don't want to get too far tangent here, but we can actually, I'm interested also with Netflix connection with CW is, you know, Disney's trying to get back all of its property from Netflix. So I think it's, right. it's ending as many shows as possible in order to do that but anyways okay so we've got four slash five shows for you to get to do you have any opening thoughts about the cw or just want to jump in to your least favorite so far this season i mean i think we can just jump in in general i find my interest in the Arrowverse is a little less than it's been in previous years just because there's other things i've i'm watching that i i look forward to more so it's kind of more you know when i can catch up to it um mm-hmm. okay all right. Well, just uh, give it to us. What is your least favorite CW show at the moment, and why? And what's going on in it? Spoilers, guys. Starting here. Uh, Arrow. Arrow, Arrow yeah. is bad. I Arrow knew that was is, coming. Yeah, Arrow is super whiny. The writing for Emily Bet Rickards, uh, who plays uh, Felicity, has been very bad, and her whole character, she's just constantly on the verge of crying. I, I don't understand why she acts the way she does and again i think it's writing and her trying to do something with it but it's just so arrow is stuck in jail doing lots of like super dark stuff like stabbing cops so that he can get thrown in deeper layers of the jail and i I just this is a show that has very little energy behind it and i follow it because i i can't break with it but there's very little to recommend about it it's not fun it's not funny it's not particularly interesting it's just kind of recycling old bad guys right now it hasn't introduced anybody new whatever the longbow hunters were in the comics and i understand that was a pretty popular and Mm well-regarded storyline they've been pretty stupid so far they're just a chick who can make sound stop and a guy with a shield like that's that's really all they are. They're just yeah. henchmen. I have longbow hunters. That's not my recollection, but I could be wrong. Well, I don't know what, how much they've actually adapted from the comics. They maybe just made a group of mercenaries and called them the longbow hunters. But mm-hmm. they're just people working for Ricardo Diaz, yeah. who seriously should be dead by this point. Um, mm-hmm. And I like Kirk Acevedo, the actor, a lot. Mm-hmm. But they have not given him anything to work with so far in the way that we saw some pretty interesting like dark storytelling with him last year and Mm -hmm. right now we're not getting nothing he just shows up steals something 
acts cool for a few minutes, somehow doesn't get shot in the head when mm-hmm. the good guys have like 50 chances to shoot him. Yeah. And nobody's allowed to be a superhero because of some some ru- some deal they made with the FBI at the end of last season. This is all spinning its wheels. They need to get out of this storyline and just get back to actually having people suit up and fight as superheroes. All right. Can I jump in with a couple thoughts on this? Sure. I've seen a, f- a couple. Okay, just so full disclosure, guys. I've seen a few episodes from the from East Season 6 of Arrow. But nothing from 7? Correct. And There have only been two or three episodes, so... And I'm I'm about two thirds of the way through last season Supergirl when she's getting brain controlled or whatever the hell's going on. I, I admit when I watch Supergirl, I'm not paying a hundred percent attention, but I really like the actors and, and the humor when they have it. Um, so here, Matt, I'm gonna throw you a couple ideas, and you can do yay, nay, or other. Okay. Okay. There was a ginormous break after Arrow season three, or. We just got sick of it, and it was already going downhill in three. No, there was a gigantic break. I, 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 season three, I think, had some really, really, really good episodes. Uh, maybe not amazing, but I, I, I really do like a lot of season three. Um, I'm not sure it ends as well as it kind of peaks in the middle, but four, five, six, and seven mm-hmm. were worse. Um, Arrow was on an upward trajectory through the climb, which is the mid-season break in season three, where right. he fights Ra's al Ghul on mm-hmm. a, in a snowy field and gets stabbed in the gut. And after that, it kind of coasts for the second half of three and then gets pretty bad. It goes mm-hmm. starts going down in four. Mm-hmm. I'm going to name some characters. Okay. Nissa al Ghul. Good character. Thea- no, hasn't showed up yet this season. No, I know. Thea Queen. Effectively I know she's written gone. out last yep. season by her request. Um, yeah, I think she just wanted to do something else. And I think she sees the writing on the wall for both her character and the show. Um, Katie Lotz shunted over to Legends of Tomorrow, but was in or, season three. Yes, and um, uh, that's Malcolm, Black Canary, Ma- by the way. White Canary. Black um, Canary. She, well, she was Black Canary. She was she Black Canary. Canary. She should be Black Canary. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Laura, Laura Lent. Um, Katie Cassidy. Katie Cassidy. I, I rip her. I, I think I rip Katie Cassidy more than Hayden Christensen. But I always make sure to apologize because it's not their fault with bad writing. And one more man, Malcolm mm-hmm. Merlin. Let's be honest. When Malcolm Merlin's in the picture with the League of Assassins and Katie Lutz and Thea Queen and this Al Ghul, it's just better, right? And the fact that like the main characters were the least interesting part of that season is both a credit to the secondary characters but also a damning of the show's skeleton if you will i d- disagree with the contention that the side characters were more interesting i thought arrow was interesting in season three i thought uh diggle was interesting in season three i thought felicity yeah. was interesting in season three and we didn't have a lot of the the b teamers who did not add nearly as much as i think Berlanti and Johns hoped that they would who showed up starting in like season five so Mm -hmm. um, but yeah there was a more interesting set of bad guys back then than there are now Uh, and that's they kind of they've drifted I may think maybe too far away Mm -hmm. from what Green Arrow is and yeah because nobody's going by Green Arrow right now there's Mm -hmm. nobody wearing the hood nobody is shooting a, a bow using a bow to shoot arrows that like can cause computers to freak out or or make smoke gas or anything like that so 
I don't really know what Arrow is right now, and that's kind of frustrating. <laughs> Can I make a couple more points on this, and we'll move on? Sure. Um, have you seen this season three of Daredevil? Uh, no. Daredevil puts Arrow to shame, and I know it's not a fair comparison because what you can do on Netflix. I think it's a completely Netflix. fair comparison. I think, but the Daredevil one to three closest is. I mean, like I, I can't even get through Jessica Jones season two, but JJ, I'll stick with JJ season one and the three Daredevil seasons. Those four seasons, only a handful of episodes I would cut out. I mean. The obvious is, of course, it has half as many episodes per season as Arrow, but the writing, yeah. the characters, the shooting, everything is better. It's not that much higher budget. I mean, it's tons of practical combat. You know, I'm sure you heard about the 11 minute Daredevil fight scene in the beginning, towards the beginning of season three, which is amazing. Um, but uh, it, it's, you know what I mean? It's not like it has a ton more money based on what we've been hearing about Netflix shows, but it's just more adult. It's less corny. There's almost way fewer uh, eye rolling moments uh thoughts uh there is a lot in daredevil season two that makes me roll my eyes like half of it so i i probably daredevil season one is bet and and jj one are probably better than anything arrow has had um and those are you know arrow's that's the comparison is in the CW because that's the street level, like gritty one. The flash is all about time travel and, and alternate realities and superpowers. Legends is a comedy and Supergirl is SJW, the show at this point. Uh, but arrow is the one that stylistically makes would belong in the Netflix verse. So I would, yeah, daredevil one is better than any, probably anything that arrow has done. And JJ one is also you know as good although again if you're just watching for fighting and kind of lurid pulp you're not going to get that with jessica jones because it's too slow and the combat scenes are not that good because that's not what that show was trying to be about except for season two season two of daredevil i is other than the punisher stuff i would never want to watch that again um but you are far more intelligent young than i am and i think that's where we yeah if you if you hate a lecture then of course you're not going to like this i love the philosophical because i'm always talking about the fact that superheroes don't confront the what can i should i kill one to save a thousand thing and they they do finally talk about it openly and while it seemed heavy-handed the first time i saw it watching it the second time and then now trying to do a commentary though it's tough uh for it i'm only a few episodes into the commentary it, it's actually way more subtle than i had remembered and they both make really excellent points and actually you, you know the famous uh, uh, episode three where he's just on the on the roof and tied up and talking with john bernthal for almost the whole episode that probably one. my favorite episode yeah. of season three so dude i didn't even try and do a play by play i did a like platonic versus eastern philosophy thing about all the, what they were talking about the whole time my first major philosophy podcast in a while just the fact that it made me do that that's fine you don't like a load of young i i feel bad for you because i I think she's spectacular um but i i i I kind of get it um i think you're gonna love three i think you're gonna love three a karen what we get with karen in three whether you like karen now or not is amazing uh karen well i'm probably gonna start later this weekend so let's not talk too much about it what i will say is the conversations about morality and philosophy with punisher have more value to me because what they're talking about is killing people who don't come back to life later like when it's him and Electra killing hand ninjas, those are all people who have died before and come back to life. And a lot of them wind up coming back to life later anyway. So the whole 
should we kill or not? There's no actual consequence, and so it makes all of the phil- the philosophy of them to fight yelling at each other about their styles of combat completely pointless. It's just academic well, discussion. Not to mention, Daredevil's trying to convince, and he does temporarily convince Electra not to kill, gets her killed. Like, if she had been yeah. able to kill some, or at least temporarily kill some of those ninjas, she'd still be alive. And the fact that Matt Murdock doesn't realize that, you know, whatever, that's a comic right. book thing. Yeah. You know, he's trying to stop the Punisher from just killing, like, yeah. gang members and biker meth heads. Like, those are people that, yeah, if you kill them, they stay dead. So there's mm-hmm. actually some reason to maybe not just murder everybody who you're too crazy to figure out if they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think I'm gonna, I'll save my other thoughts about that for now, but I will say, I made it through Iron Fist Season 2 pretty quickly, and I can't get through Arrow in those shows, so I don't know what that says, considering the, you know, the, the reception to Iron Fist 1 was terrible. It helped, Matt, that, I know you hate the Defender, so you don't have to scoff. I like the Defender, I particularly was impressed with Henwick and Finn Jones, because I wasn't expecting anything from them, and was actually impressed with their performance in that, and so I was like, you know what, I, I need something, Daredevil 3 isn't out, so I'm gonna watch Iron Fist 2. I know the stuff with Ward and his sister isn't the most most compelling but everything with jessica henwick fighting sword or not is is mesmerizing for me yeah i um i think you watched it i was shocked you watched it i was shocked yeah, i watched it and i was shocked you watched it a lot more it. quickly than uh than say luke cage three which was uh, two which was a complete that's maybe the worst it. of the season twos i mean jessica jones is bizarre but it's sort of interesting in its train wreck kind of bizarre way I can't do it luke cage two has a good soundtrack, but it is so slow. Oh my god, the episodes are like an hour and ten minutes long, and they feel like an hour and a half. I, I couldn't. Luke Cage two was really a struggle, and I did not feel bad to see that show get canceled. Um, although, again, I think Disney is going to resurrect some of these characters in new forms on its own platform in a year and a half. Um, as they continue to move their content away from movies, I think we're going to get more. Star Wars streaming content and less Star Wars movies. I think we're going to get more superhero content and maybe less. Uh, well, I don't know about less. I mean, I think they've got a pretty good plan for five years still with Phase Four and, and beyond. And let's but. be honest: of all the shows and movies that want to get back for the Disney streaming service, the one that makes the most sense to stay on Netflix as long as possible is Jessica Jones because it's so adult. Now, I'm assuming with the streaming service, mm, I think Daredevil makes more sense. Well, I mean, Daredevil is on the verge of, of it has 57% fewer watchers than last season, and they haven't said anything. They've, they're already filming JJ3, so that's guaranteed Daredevil's not. But fine, Daredevil 2. So let's say Daredevil and Jessica Jones, the bloodiness and the adultness of it, right? Disney's going to have right. to, it's going to be tough with streaming services. Like, I'm sure you can have an adult login and a kid login eventually, right? I mean, they're going to bring Deadpool, right? So there's got to be a way to watch Deadpool. Um, so I, I think that, like, I, I would say, it's, let's say Daredevil gets another season. Punisher is definitely getting another season already. Yeah. And JJ3 is getting a season. Those are some adult-ass shows. But I don't even buy the Iron Fist cancellation. Because 
because the fan reaction among the nerds that I follow was much stronger than I was expecting. Henwick has been in Star Wars on this and uh, in Iron Fist. She was in Game of Thrones. Like she's 26. She's an unbelievable talent. It would be so stupid for them to let her go, just like letting Rosario go. So I don't know what the future holds with that. But I do think it's interesting that now we've got Punisher, JJ, and and we don't know about Daredevil, and we know at least for now Iron Fist and, and Luke Cage are canceled. But so where would it, you it put? Okay. Sorry, if it may just be Marvel's taking all its stuff back, Daredevil might bite the dust just for that. Jessica Jones might bite the dust after season three, Punisher after season two. I do know that Netflix does not release numbers very often, so no. it's really hard to figure out why they decide what they do. But social media engagement with both Iron Fist and Luke Cage mm-hmm. dropped really seriously from season one to season two. Mm -hmm. So whatever translation or correlation that is to actual viewers, regardless of what your friends are saying about Iron Fist, it seems like a lot fewer people turned out to watch what was the better season of Iron Fist. I just think it's on an upward trajectory and I would not be surprised with quality, but not in popularity. Right. Just hear me out. It wouldn't surprise me if Disney is using some sneaky tactics here to try. Like for example, you know, there's what, what are they called? Iron Fist and Luke Cage, the, Heroes for Hire. Heroes for Hire. That's what I think they're going to do is maybe just re-split the four main characters and Mm -hmm. have it be Misty and Colleen in one show Mm -hmm. and Luke and Iron Fist Mm -hmm. in the other show. Um, And just try breaking it up that way and see what that does. So I want to get to the next CW show, but really quickly, you're right that Netflix almost never releases numbers, even comparative numbers. Which just makes it so interesting that after the first season of all four and then the Defenders all aired, they publicly announced for no particular reason that Jessica Jones is the most watched show by like a significant margin on the station, which is why it's getting a third season. And I think they'll renew it as much as possible. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think Daredevil is great and has overperformed, but I don't think it reaches near the audience of a character like Jessica Jones, obviously. Um, it, it's a much more kind of rare situation but they gotta step up the writing because season two is painful and you know i love jj yeah i very little about season two works i don't understand why trish did half the shit that she did the bad guy which there wasn't one but the mom the plot that it's it's her mom we're in spoiler territory now all of that didn't work at all the best episode was the one where they were in spoiler territory they bring back david Tennant as a hallucination yep It's a cool one-off episode, but it really begs the question, why wasn't she seeing him constantly? Like, like, why is it this one moment, she's like one hour of her life, she's dealing with this and she's never dealing with it again, so... You know, do you mind? Do you mind if I give myself a back pat and then I give you and I both a back pat on this situation? My my own. This part of the Bizzlecast, I got to do it, and I confess to my errors. I initially recorded Jessica Jones immediately after it aired in late 2015. So at that point, only Daredevil and Jessica Jones aired. And guys, you can go back. I said in that podcast before Luke Cage and Iron Fist that I thought JJ was going to survive the longest because it was the most accessible to the the widest audience. We'll see if that indeed end up being the case. But man, you and I very early on were like we're not sure this show can survive without David Tennant. And it it seems hard to argue at this point against that, right? Yeah, we're getting a third season, which means it will have at least as many seasons as Daredevil. But it's going to be really interesting to see if either of those shows get a season four, especially because I really do not believe we are going to get a second season of Defenders. And so if there's not something that they're building towards... 
there's gonna there's this real question of why are they sustaining this at all mm-hmm. um okay so yeah i mean jj may be the last season of tv on the air just mm-hmm. because jj3 is going to air after mm-hmm. obviously daredevil 3 and probably after punisher 2 because yeah. i think punisher 2 is already in the middle of its next production but we'll see how long punisher yeah. lasts too you I know mean, I, I think yep. you know I there love the Punisher series. Like, yeah. yeah, I thought Punisher was terrific. It was I, I and it did what I really wanted them to do, which was make a show about military, about soldiers and trauma and war and being mm-hmm. unable to leave the war behind. I love the lack of action. I know some people wanted more. I love the lack of action and the inner journey he had. Right. Sure, interspersed with some truly gory yes. action scenes. I mean, yes. when he fights the guy who would become the bad guy Jigsaw yeah. at the end. That's disgusting what he does to... Sure, but let me, let me make the comparison back to CW and then we go on to the next show or even more on Arrow, which is one of the things that really annoyed me about Arrow season two and then after season three was him constantly being annoyed by his friends about killing or not killing, blah, 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 blah. It's just, I'm fine with him not killing, but just the discussion. And I made the comparison. It's like when you're in a relationship... And it starts right. going sour, and you start talking about the relationship more than having a relationship. You know, it's not going well, right? Um, so I, that's how I feel about it. Like you talk about the thing that's going on all the time rather than having a show. And I guess what I'm saying is, the Frank Castle uh, wrestling with is there, you know, killing ever wrong, um, or it, when is killing right? Was just way more interesting than Oliver Queen going through that. I think so. Sure, although. I don't necessarily think the morality of killing is what he's really grappling with with punish in the Punisher series. I think uh-huh. it's more he's dealing with the can you ever leave the war behind or are you always just going to be stuck in that conflict mentality? You know, so when he finds out in season two, in episode 2 or 3 what's actually kind yeah. of going on, the first thing he says is okay, Micro, if I join you, we got to kill everybody and then Micro who is also extremely traumatized by what's happened to him says, yeah, I can live with that. And and then it's a lot of murder. So I don't think there's much philosophy about whether murder is right or wrong. I think it's more, can you ever leave it behind whether it's good or bad? Um, and he's not sure. Cause at the end he goes to a veterans, uh, you know, anonymous meeting or whatever they're called and he says, I don't know what I'm doing with my life now, and I'm scared. And that's mm-hmm. the last line of it. So it's not really about, is killing good or bad? It's, mm-hmm. can you redefine your life after it's been defined by killing for so long? Because um, he says, I think in Daredevil, the killing never bothered me. It was, I, I think he says it in the... Um, the uh, Trapped on the Roof episode of Daredevil, where he says, the killing, it always just happened to somebody else. But when I came back, I was petrified the entire flight home that like a lightning bolt was going to blow up my plane or something. And that was what was going to do me in because that's God's style or something like that. So Hmm. that I think is really the inner conflict of Frank Castle. And it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And uh, I guess what I would just add to the conversation there is that, you know, Daredevil's constantly struggling with his soul and guilt and all, you know all that religious right. stuff. The Catholic thing. But it's it's very selfish because the way he thinks about it in his head is all about will I be redeemed? Will I be condemned? You know? It's right. not about the utilitarian part, which is what Frank's arguing for. Frank doesn't get I mean, 
you could argue whether Frank gets pleasure or not from the killing, but he's not just killing for the pleasure. He thinks he's so ruined and so destroyed and he has nothing left but to kill all the scumbags with the type of people that killed his family, uh, which is, I mean, I mean, let's be honest, it's, it's a stretch of imagination that he's never killed a civilian by accident or that Daredevil's never killed someone by accident. It's like ridiculous, but you just oh, yeah. kind of have to go with it. So um, I, I think we can agree. Punisher, J.J. Daredevil, most interesting of the characters so let's hope we get more daredevil but we're definitely getting more punisher and jj so let's jump yeah. back to the cw anything more on arrow or just pretty no, shitty I'm done on C- okay I, 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 yeah arrow is up mm-hmm. so um all right S- uh third well i guess second least favorite uh second from the bottom uh even if you like it of this season of cw second from the Bottom is probably Legends of Tomorrow, hmm. but it's not unenjoyable. It's very silly. Like, they're leaning really hard into the silliness of the time-traveling superheroes gimmick. So last season, they blow up a demon at the end with a... They turn into a giant CGI. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Bebo, but it's supposed to be like a Furby. It's like a blue, cute monster. It's a very goofy fight. Mm-hmm. They interviewed the showrunners like, yeah, we just wanted to spend all the money we had left in our budget. Like, that's like a direct quote. And this season, the first episode, they go to Woodstock and stop a unicorn that vomits rainbow goop on hippies that makes them get stoned. And then in the last episode, they stop a fairy godmother that's helping out a girl whose mother is accused of being a witch in Salem in the 16 in the 1600s. Uh, it's very light on, on serious content. Uh, and there's very much a sense watching it of, of what the hell is this? Uh, but it's, it's fun and it, it's a likable group that has good chemistry with each other. So mm-hmm. it's fun to watch, even if it's kind of like rainbow Sherbert, the, the, tv show sure like bring, it has no no n- there's no meat to it at yeah. all um let me bring in a, a comparison or two we're not going to spend a ton of time uh, spend a ton of time on doctor who but we are talking time traveling so with a world that has doctor who and star trek reborn do we need another time traveling show like let me ask you like what does legends bring to the table that these other sci-fi properties that you and i generally like uh don't necessarily have well I'm, I'm happy to have as much time travel as we can. What I had kind of always wished is that the DC universe, there are other times in its history that are interesting beyond the, the late 1900s and early mm-hmm. 2000s. Mm-hmm. And it felt like originally the show was conceived as a way to explore some of these other times that either hinted at or talked about openly in other comics as mm-hmm. very active times in DC history but they've never really done that some of that might be budget Mm -hmm. um so if they were doing that i think i would probably like it more although i don't know that like non-hardcore fans would would find that as appealing like i would have loved it if they'd gone to legions of superhero like 31st century but they never did um they've brought some of those characters to other shows and we can get into that uh so this is just the time travel is the gimmick the only reason to watch the show is if you happen to like the characters and like the chemistry they have with each other. If not, this is not a show that has anything interesting to say about time travel, certainly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, 
again, try not to do too much backpatting. But uh, I admit, uh, a year ago, I started a Star Wars book. I mean, it might just be fan fiction. Who, you know, like novella length. Actually, Matt's been giving me some advice as a writer. Hopefully, get some more, pick, pick your brain a little bit more on it. But, dude, I specifically said, uh, and I never use time travel, even in the old EU, as they call it, like before Disney bought it, like all the millions of books that were published. No one ever did time travel. And the reason I, I, I brought it in was because I had to figure out a way for Obi-Wan to leave Tatooine, have an adventure, and come back and have no time pass because otherwise he'd be abandoning Luke, right? And it would go against right. everything we said. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I brought it in for a story reason. And then when the animated division brought it in with, with also with Ahsoka, which I had no idea um, this past spring and towards the end of Rebels was completely for story and character reasons. So I guess what I'm saying is time travel just for time travel doesn't necessarily do it to me. And I'm interested as I watch more Doctor Who in particular, whether that will keep working for me well what i'll say about doctor who is that its entire approach to time travel is just make it up as you go along there's no there's no rules there's causality doesn't really exist the the way the new show describes it is time is a wibbly wobbly timey wimey ball and everything can change all the time so Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter um mostly they show up not when they intend where and when they intend to show up anyway so just have fun with it Mm -hmm. um any uh any cool guest stars specifically in legends in the last season or two well constantine's arrival that that's been the big one there i i don't think anybody like famous that i can think of has uh shown up uh, that wasn't already a character on the show you know last Mm -hmm. season they brought back Damian Dark for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Your mileage may vary on Neil McDonough. He has a very cool voice. No, you he convinced was- me on him because that's the thing is Arrow should just embrace the pulpiness like Supergirl, right? Straight up. Like, like if you're going to have a mustache twirling villain like him, don't try and be overly serious but not have the substance behind it, I guess. I don't know. Like, Daredevil has the substance behind it to be super dark, but I would think Daredevil has more good humor than Arrow does. Uh, is Daredevil funny? I I can't think of any jokes, but whatever. Um, I'm I'm I don't want to talk about Daredevil. So can um let me ask you a question. Um, and this is this is not meant as a shot at you, more at the show. So when you're watching right. Arrow or Flash or Supergirl, and you get to the inevitable middle of the show, and everyone's standing in a circle, and they're spinning the camera to the right, and they're spinning the camera to the left, and the string music is playing, um. Do you just kind of zone out during that because it's the same exact scene every single time? Um, Or, like, it's easier with Supergirl because the characters are great. Like, how do you do it with Arrow where you're clearly not enjoying it? And the team sucks in Arrow. Sorry, guys. Team Arrow Arrow sucks these days. Yeah, and they're not not any better. Uh, Curtis is just as annoying. So annoying. uh, Felicity poorly written for. Yeah. And uh, wild, Wild Dog not... Yeah. Not what kind of like underused because I think that actor's got some skills, but just I don't understand what he's why he does what he does either. Uh, whatever you're describing, I've never noticed it. Okay. So whatever I don't like about the show, it has okay. nothing to do with that particular uh, okay. tendency to shoot it a simple way. I think that may just be the way three camera shows are often shot. I, well, it's not a three-camera show because they're shooting from all directions. Okay, uh, then whatever. Yeah. I, I don't know what that is. You probably are right, and I've never noticed it. 
it's like the Avengers, you know, like thing, but without the tension, without the murderist, uh, you know, it's to like build tension that they're getting the act together and they're sharing information. They're coming up with a plan. It's just a film. I just don't love moving cameras and there's a lot of it in CW. Um, that's just a, a thing for me. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I should bring up this question, but I'm going to wait uh, for a later show. Anything more about about Legends? Do you see it going up, going down, co- uh, maintaining a consistent course? I Yeah, consistent. I, th- I think the show certainly knows what it is. I don't know what its ratings are. They made a joke about the in the first season, in the first episode of the season, about it's good for our ratings. Mm-hmm. And they somebody stared at somebody and was like, what are you talking about? I said, oh, yeah. At the Time Bureau, mm-hmm. they rate us based on our success. And we're not super popular, but we have our hardcore fans or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of rolled my eyes at all of that. But so maybe nobody's watching it except like 20 people. I don't know. Is is Katie Lotz the, the main character at this point other than the promo posters or they spread it around? No, she is definitely the leader of yeah. the legends. I, it, I don't know who's the main character in part because not a lot of these people have arcs, but... Uh, mm-hmm. She is certainly, you know, like this last episode, she beats up a bunch of puritanical dudes with a crossbow and then kicks all of them. So, like, she is the star of this show. She definitely gets more screen time than Brandon Routh or uh, uh, Dominic Purcell or anybody else. I was watching Scott Pilgrim recently. I forgot Brandon Routh was in that. Yep. (laughs) That movie is overrated to say the least in my opinion <laughs> i didn't like it in the first place yeah, it's not good I, I, uh, I don't know i mean yeah. if you're into the stuff that it's into i guess it's appealing but i kind of looked at all of it and i was like this is too spastic mm-hmm. for me this is too mm-hmm. i don't know hipster or or whatever most of these jokes don't land for me but if they <laughs> landed for other people yeah. cool well, Edgar Wright's style is very much like the way the actors deliver it. It sounds like they're reading it off the page, like it's supposed to be kind of pulpy. But when right. you look, when you have Baby Driver with an amazing older veteran cast, it works much better than a kind of bizarre younger cast where it's just it, it's like they're reading from a comic book and not trying to make it naturalistic. I don't know, whatever. Who cares? I know people love that movie though, so. Um, so, all right, so we will move on uh, past the Legends of Tomorrow. Keep Katie Lotz in mind, man, because I got a question, and you know me, I got a female superhero question coming up, I'm going to save it, so what is your second, third favorite, or second favorite? How many? I forget if you had four or five, if we had four or five. (laughs) There's three left. Okay. So my favorite, I'm just going to cut through through the, my favorite is Supergirl, and then I go back and forth on whether or not I like Black Lightning more than The Flash oh, okay. right now. The Flash has brought on a character named Excess, who is a Legion of Superheroes character. It's their daughter from the future. Hmm. It's good, but it's drifting into this whiny territory that Arrow has staked a pretty good claim on. And that's when I don't like it as much. Um, the bad guy has got an interesting design to him. He's this guy named Cicada, who is pretty creepy. Um, not a speedster. The last couple of villains have not been speedsters, which I like a lot. Um, I don't quite know where it's all going yet. The new Wells is French and a detective from another earth. I, I'm kid you not. So sure. Why not? Why not? Sure. I, because, yeah, exactly. Sure. Why not? 
Um, ben Kavanaugh is a very uh, multifaceted actor. He can do whatever he wants, I guess. Sure. Um, and they, it's not The Flash without Ben Kavanaugh on it. So, yep. He's um, great. He's fantastic. But, you know, a lot of the other characters aren't exactly doing anything. Vibe is just sort of hung up on mm-hmm. losing his girlfriend from last season. She didn't die. They just broke up. So, Oh, is the professor still dead? I know that's Legends. Is he dead? Uh, yes, Firestorm. Yeah, he died. Oh, it's too bad. He's a great actor. Yeah, and and the other guy, uh, I forgot about that. Fran's drama, he hasn't come back on the show. So there's no Firestorm anymore. There's no Kid Flash was on the team for a little while, mm-hmm. and then he's just left. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, which was not great only because it was, you know, a, a character. We lost two characters of color, and, and yeah. I'm always one to encourage diversity, but mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, is Candace Patton still locked in a giant refrigerator? <laughs> um, <sighs> she defines woman in refrigerator, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. No, she doesn't. That's she not what women in refrigerator is. Okay. Don't misuse the phrase. Okay. Um, Easy. It's a serious issue, but that's not. She's not in peril. She's she's in no peril this season. So, uh, and I don't think she's in danger of being violently killed. I, I think Vibe is in more danger of that right now than. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can I, can I give me another shot on it? I won't use the terminology. Yeah. Um, what I hate is when women's only or primary role is to motivate in various ways the male character. Yes, that's a different problem altogether. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I, I apologize about the that. term. Just when I talk with Britt and Alistair, we've kind of expanded in our own conversation. It wasn't really fair to bring that in. You're right. Yeah, that you're some more bridging. You need term. to actually kill yeah. the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like yeah. the violent death is. Yeah, they did kill her, by the way, right in season two. So well, they talked about it, but it never. It's time travel. It never happened, or something. Um, any agency? Any contributions to the team? Well, that that's where we can. She's not like there to just motivate the guys, but I don't quite know what she's there to to do exactly she doesn't really have an arc she's trying to relate to her daughter but the the things that they've introduced that are the reasons why they don't get along are are kind of they're tough situations to relate to because they're all related to superpowers and stuff that happens in the future and it's really hard to to get behind any of it because it's hard to understand what the emotions of it are um so I, I don't know. The, the interactions with the daughter are are a little. They're just kind of off, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm kind of tempted to put Black Lightning ahead of it, mm-hmm. um, because Black Lightning, the family dynamics are pretty good, the music is pretty good. Um, I the bad guy has gotten better this season. It's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this he's he's actually he's an albino African American. Mm-hmm. I is it was a rapper. Mm-hmm. who he's like got this real big beefy frame and he's pretty menacing looking um and the whole thing is this kind of interesting family drama uh that is going into luke cage territory but not it's it's heavy-handed in its own way but i kind of like it um you know and, and it's trying to treat with real issues such as so jefferson pierce in the in the show is the principal of a school mm-hmm. he is seen as this kind they call him i think black jesus because he has turned this school into this pinnacle of the school district high high rate of graduation low rates of violence kids from problematic families are like coming and and kind of straightening out and finding decent lives for themselves 
but the white school board doesn't like the way he runs the school because he's not strict enough with the incidents that do happen. And so they replace him with a white principal this season. And the guy is very, very different and it's not working and the school is falling apart. And it does kind of bring in these questions about, you know, black students ability to code switch and expectations of behavior and whether or not they're racially biased and racially prejudiced. And we see that all the time with high schools. I mean, how many stories have we seen in the last couple of years about dress codes being imposed that basically just target students of color, usually female students of color, uh, because it's a white school board that just doesn't get the culture of some of its own students. The show is trying to have a conversation about that. And I give it a lot of respect. Word. So, um, all right, man. Lightning control powers seem to be like, they just do whatever he wants. Like Mm -hmm. he can use lightning to fly. Mm -hmm. Okay. He can use lightning to catch bullets. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's just whatever his powers need to do. They seem to do. He can use them to see through walls. I, Okay, sure. I guess electricity can do that, maybe. So, before we jump to the last one. Last mm-hmm. one? Um, oh, the one thing I, I, I want to yeah. say that I hope for Black Lightning. Yes. I don't want it to just become the Black show for the superheroes, but there are a decent number of Black superheroes in the greater DC canon that have not been introduced anywhere else. And it would be a cool way to bring a lot like more awareness to them to bring a lot of those characters on the show. There is another black superhero with lightning powers named static shock. He had a cartoon in the late nineties and early two thousands on uh, WB, like a Saturday morning cartoon. He was a milestone character. There's another one named icon. There's a guy named hardware. Who's kind of like cyborg, but cooler icon is kind of like black Superman. He's an alien, mm-hmm. same power set, etc. Um, What's cool with Icon is his ship crashes to Earth during, like, the Antebellum South, and it can disguise the alien as whatever's around it. And so he's found by a slave family, and so it disguises him as a, a black kid, and he's raised in a plantation, uh, and then he's, but he's immortal. So it would be really cool to see all these other characters of color come to CW uh, and come to the Arrowverse, and if the uh black lightning is the way to get that to happen i think that would be pretty cool yeah i mean i missed 2015 when we had daredevil and jessica jones but i was also still loving arrow you know like i missed that balance and now the i mean depending on who you are the marvel shows are are very divided among the really good ones or bad ones let me ask you this it's a hypothetical then we'll get to what obviously your top show which is Would any of the shows be fixed by getting the Netflix 13 episode more adult format or would they just they just need stronger writing like week to week but are cool in their current format? I I don't know that other than Arrow, I don't know that any of them necessarily need to be fixed. I, I think if Legends that kind of very silly style isn't your cup of tea then don't watch it, but I don't think the show would necessarily be better if it was suddenly more serious. I don't necessarily know that you can make any of these better. Certainly none of them other than arrow could get more adult and be better for it. If you made flash more serious, it would just be whiny. Uh, and it's already 
divert getting into that territory if you made all these shows are still supposed to be fun and i don't necessarily know that you need to save any of them in the way that you're describing mm-hmm. yeah i mean i've you know i've said arrow on netflix would be amazing if it's fully executed that's but, the one yeah that's the one but yeah. none of the others i think would would benefit from mm-hmm. the netflixization of the storytelling or certainly the tone mm-hmm. um and it's it's irrelevant because as long as they are network TV shows, they are going to be September to May shows, and they're going to need to run twenty two, twenty three episodes. So mm-hmm. all, that's just wish fulfillment to wish that they would do it some other way. All right, well, we'll have your top CW show, and then we'll move towards final section, final thoughts. It's definitely sure. Supergirl. Not shocked, but having not seen the current season, um, I can only go on past seasons. I'm liking season three. I'm not as crazy as the first two, but I still love Melissa Benoist and the supporting cast. And you know, we've talked about you know Kristen Ritter and, and Melissa Benoist are, are, are big admirers of one another's show, even though they couldn't be more different in some ways. Oh, there's sure. are similarities in terms of strong female characters that everyone can get behind um the question i was going to ask you as we go into supergirl i want to hear specifically about it and you can bring this up with her and Kyler lee and uh, you know secondary and tertiary characters in the show is you know netflix does have some very strong female character female characters obviously we got jessica henwick as colleen wing we got claire temple we got misty knight who's right. awesome we got jessica jones there's maybe a couple of others depending on your definition of str- of strong um and lead characters but we at least have like four or five um um, but right. again, Jessica Jones, only one with her own show. Uh, and, you know, if you, like you said, if you consider the lead or at least the leader of Legends being Katie Lotz, and then you have Supergirl and her number twos, also a woman, uh, CW is ahead of the curve. And when you throw Batwoman in this equation and all of a sudden Marvel, who's just Greenland, this, this Black Widow movie, which still may not happen after all these fucking years. See, I think, you know, then you throw in uh, uh, Margot Robbie's projects with the Birds of Prey. I'm not saying this was all good. I don't know when it's coming out. But it seems the one advantage when you add Wonder Woman that DC has at the moment, you can lead into Supergirl and talk about any of that stuff, is strong a number, a wide variety of strong female characters. Yeah. No, I would probably agree with that. Um, you know, and if, especially if you tack that on, you also have uh, DC Girls, which is the, the cartoon that they've got going on, CW, on, uh, on Cartoon Network right now. I think it's called DC Girls, but it's it's definitely it's all about the, the women of DC, and it's a kids' cartoon. Like they seem to have decided, at least for now, until you know they they next reorganize and rethink yeah. the whole thing, that they want to be the the women led superhero universe, uh, mm-hmm. and some of it's more successful than others. I don't really have any interest in uh, in Suicide Squad, even though we are definitely going to get more of it. Um, but if that's where they want to go for now, cool. Hopefully there's, I mean, when the next time they course correct, they don't over course correct and get rid of them entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, cause they probably are, are going to course correct at some point once one of these has a bad night, but that's irrelevant. Um, so Supergirl, what's interesting about Supergirl is the big news that the show made this year is that it brought on an actress named Nicole Maine. Nicole Maine is a transgender woman who is playing a transgender character named Nia Nall, or Nia Nall, who is supposed to be the ancestor of one of the Legion of Superheroes, a, a character named Dream Girl. Hmm. Um, and she is also going to be a superhero. She, uh, she, her name is Dreamer. 
So same powers. She's a they're precognitive, hmm. um, and she is the first trans superhero on TV ever. And what's interesting is so Glad, which is one of that's G L A A D. Uh, it used to stand for Gays and Lesbians Against uh, Alliance Against Defamation, but now it's just Glad. It's one of the largest LGBTQ activist groups yep. in the country. And so they just released a report about LGBT characters on television. And the CW actually has the most regular or recurring characters of any of the five broadcast channels. That's ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, and CW. They are the most, they have the most with, um, they have the most in relationships uh, with, they have them, they also have done some pretty good stuff with, uh, putting them with LGBTQ characters of color. Nafisa Williams plays Black Lightning's older daughter, Anissa, who has been an out lesbian in relationships since the pilot. Uh, obviously, I took, talked a lot about um, Shyler Lee's coming out as lesbian two years ago as one of my favorite moments of Supergirl, uh, and they've certainly not shied away from that in the subsequent seasons. Uh, they even almost had her get married till they broke up. Uh, she broke up with Maggie uh, Sawyer. So they are really trying to, to be as inclusive as they can. Their CW is doing this whole defy, dare to defy, I think is the name of the hashtag, but they've put out these commercials about how these promos where they have all their stars saying, when we defy expectation, when we defy definition, when we defy uh persecution hope happens love happens they're cheesy i think or i'd call them cheesy but this channel does seem to actually be leaning into this this approach of trying to get as much diversity and as much basically of trying to be as woke as they can be uh and i certainly kind of want uh you know i want to see that continue i want to see them lean as heavily into that as they possibly can uh because certainly we want to see more diversity in character and character types, certainly in casting, mm -hmm. because I know that for a long time, a complaint the LGBTQ community had, especially tra the trans community, is that cisgender actors were still getting roles as trans characters, which was just closing out another area where trans actors could get cast. Well... Claire May, uh, Nicole Maine is a trans woman playing a trans character who says in no uncertain terms, I'm a transgender woman in, mm -hmm. I think, the second episode of the season. So mm -hmm. I want to see all that continue because I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think Supergirl is doing the most for little girls in terms of, you know, network or basic cable television out there. It seems to me, if I was a little girl, that's who I would be looking up to for sure just her how you know what i mean she's like mature but she acts like a little girl sometimes and just her charisma and everything is, is spectacular yeah i'm a huge fan even if it's in the background sometimes like i'm trying to get through everything because i love the show um and uh i think yeah one of my favorite moments was last year's crossover where maggie and uh and uh katie lots uh i always forget her name um 
Sarah Lance had like a little fling because it was so natural. It was like not thrown in your face. And I, you know, I don't want to bring too much Star Wars, but I think the, the, the SJW side of this is can we make it work naturally versus can is it forced? You know, and I know Supergirl yeah. wasn't hacked by the Russians, whatever. Who knows if that's true? But man, I will tell you, Supergirl has a 75 on Metacritic from critics, which is excellent, but has a horrible user score on IMDb and the user score on Metacritic, which again is just these idiot trolls trying. I mean, there's no way Supergirl Supergirl is only a 6.5 in quality on IMDb. It's just impossible. I mean, you know, yeah, like... I really don't care about Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb scores. I don't think criticism and film criticism can be reduced to a number. I don't care. I don't care what... I don't think any of that means anything. Even the things I like, I don't care that they get high scores. The things I don't like, I don't care that they get low scores. Mm-hmm. They're good for a gag every once in a while if something gets like a 0 or a 10%. But I... I it's too easily broken and all of the things you just said are all examples of how easy it is to break that particular way of analyzing a show's success yeah i guess my bigger point is just despite you know like overt irrational hatred the show's still doing very well has seems to have a decent audience and is not holding back and i love them for it um and and what's interesting is this show seems to be directly targeting the kinds of people who would do that who would try to just wreck the rating just because they're pissed off about it so like the bad guy this season is a guy named agent liberty who is trying to fan these anti-alien sentiments because in the last couple seasons there have been a lot of like extra planetary aliens coming to earth to live there uh and so he says things like humans first like america first and his story seems to me to be very much inspired by the kinds of stories that produced a lot of the people who supported Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. His dad is racist. His family runs a steel factory and the steel factory gets basically made irrelevant and closes because they start introducing nth metal, which is this alien metal that's much stronger. Mm -hmm. And so nobody wants to buy steel anymore. So you have a steel factory closing and it kind of wrecks this family and the guy turns all of his hatred towards uh aliens and eventually becomes violent about it you know after first he's handing out pamphlets on the street he's teaching his class about how progress is bad so it's very clear what they think the enemy is um yeah and look i if you're good like i said I appreciate that they saying we're going to be full of heart, but can't be on purpose and just go crazy with aliens and, and we'll, we'll, right. pull, we'll pull off some special effects. Let's be honest. Jessica Jones has almost no special effects. It's intentionally can't be the fighting, you know, this tiny girl punching people. You don't even see her jump or like, you know, right. so it's like Supergirl, like just go crazy. And, and I don't mean can't be in a, in a bad way here. I, you know, I like it's, it's, it's like that she's like, it's why I like reading Batgirl and Supergirl comics sometimes, man. And I got to be honest, like, even though I mostly read Image these days, if I'm reading comics or Star Wars mm-hmm. comics, if it's between normal Marvel and DC, I will definitely do DC, whether it's mostly from the bat, the, the females from the Batverse is just way more interesting. And if you're cool bridging into Batwoman, of which we know not a lot, um, right. but we know that they're going forward with gusto and passion, which is great. You know, it already seems like they're all getting along i believe her first appearance is going to be a holiday crossover yeah so they're doing 
it's called Elseworlds, which is pretty cool because, all right, so it, they do this thing every year where they have crossovers. The first one was just between The Flash and Arrow, uh, which was Flash season one. Um, I think they're up to f- four or five now. I think they're up to season five. Um, and then the next one involves some of the legends, and then they fought aliens, and then they fought Nazis last year. And this year, they're, we don't know what the plot is exactly. Elseworlds was the name of the alternate universe imprint that they had for a really long time and produced some cool stories mm-hmm. um rather famously there was kingdom come in the mid 90s which was all yep. about sort I've of got it. i've got that one yeah yeah which is all about the the original superheroes retiring and deciding they didn't want to lead the next generation and so the next generation becomes completely lawless uh, and then they these older heroes have to come back and try to reassert control mm-hmm. um there was one whole like set of annuals that were Elseworlds where it's like steel grows up in a slave plantation. Batman's a pirate. Mm -hmm. Superman comes to earth in the 1700s and helps Britain win the revolutionary war. Those were all pretty cool. So if they really want to adapt the Elseworlds stories, there are a lot of good ones. Um, They're also, they seem to be introducing the, the monitor who is, so in the first episode of The Flash, they hint at an event in comics called Crisis on Infinite Earths, which ends with the death of Barry Allen. This all happened in 1985, but there are these red skies that signify another Earth is about to be destroyed. And in the pilot for The Flash, there's this newspaper in the future that says The Flash disappears, red skies vanish. So the Anti-Monitor was the bad guy of Crisis on Infinite Earths. The good guy was... His counterpart is the Monitor. They monitor the worlds. That's why it's called Monitor. Yep. So if Elseworlds is leading us in that direction towards what almost might be kind of a partial endgame for all, all of this, that's also pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't think they're going to get rid of the Flash or Supergirl, who also dies in Crisis on Infinite Earths. It's, uh, uh, I know you don't normally care about this stuff, but it's the Bizzlecast. Uh, uh, is Flash still well ahead of the other shows, as far as you know, in terms of ratings? Or you don't know. I, I have no idea. Because it was for a while, for like two, three seasons. Like it was clearly in in, in the lead, um, which you can sort of t- make sense, right? I mean, I feel like Grant yeah. Gustin is like he's got the Luke Skywalker vibe, right? Can older guy, but can relate to kids can relate to him, sort of thing. Um, he's he's great. He's great. And you know, my problems with all these shows are completely writing. If the writing was better, I'd watch all of them. So, Supergirl's the best, obviously, which is what you're saying. Um, so, any other thoughts about CW? And I have just two quick questions for you, maybe one or to and then we'll wrap up anything else about cw no i think i've said everything about uh cw i'm you know batwoman is going to be another example of what i was talking about batwoman Mm -hmm. is a that is a gender fluid actress who is i believe also lesbian or that's what she identifies as playing a character who is also lesbian and both arrow and cw have introduced the children of the uh of the main characters so we met arrow's son william this show this season has been flashing forward into the future where william has grown up william is gay and they're the flash and iris's daughter nora is lesbian or or bi or something but she flirts with women she does with one woman anyway so it's kind of sending in no small terms the message that not only is there a lot of LGBTQ represent- representation now, but it's only going to get stronger in the coming years or, or mm-hmm. fictional decades of this universe, which mm-hmm. uh, big thumbs up for me on that. 
All I have to say is, word. <laughs> so, um, all right, I want to do very quick thoughts on Doctor Who because it's just getting going and I've only seen two episodes. You've seen all four. Right. Um, so I'll give my quick thoughts. We'll get your quick thoughts and then we'll do closing, closing uh, top words, um, final word. Uh, my thought is I immediately loved Jodie Whittaker the second she was cast. I liked her in Broadchurch. I just like her in general. And I am not surprised at her hilarity and charisma. I still have trouble with the Doctor Who formula. I, I just have never gotten into it, even with Doctor uh, with David Tennant. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm staying very open minded about this. I haven't watched the Rosa Parks episode. When I saw they were doing it, I was like, "Oh man, there's a lot of liberal Americans who are not going to like this." But it seems to not be getting bashed, so that's great. Overall, people like it. I like that it's scary and kind of dark at points. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. It's very cool. The effects to me look great overall for a TV show, and the side characters so far, I really like them. But she she's awesome. So those those are my thoughts and so Matt's gonna give his non-spoiler thoughts and we'll wrap up yeah I've liked it I, I've certainly found myself more interested in it in this season than I have in most of the Peter Capaldi era I think in general what I've seen with the ratings which have been really really good which means I'm pretty sure we're gonna get an, at least one more season of Jodie Whittaker um, is the sense I get is that there probably are a lot of Doctor Who fans whose interest in it waned as the show kind of just spun its wheels and didn't go anywhere interesting for most of the the mm-hmm. second half of the Matt Smith and the pretty much entire Peter Capaldi era, which was about five seasons. And then when Jodie Whittaker was hired and a new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, took over, it brought a renewed interest in fans who had kind of faded away. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how many truly new, novice, ignorant doctor, like people with no prior connection to Doctor Who really have come on for it. There's probably some, but I don't think a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think what it's done is rebuild the audience that it already has and grow it a little bit. We'll see as the uh, season goes. And, and when we re- and right. you and I reconvene in a month or two and it's at the end or close to the end, I'll try and have some of those numbers. I, I think it's maybe more than you think, but less than maybe the, the, is the ultimate scenario. So we'll have to see as it goes along. Right. I mean, it's, it's four episodes in. Yep. We really don't know. And even if it's super popular, yeah. BBC America is not a popular channel in the U.S. So it's very hard to gauge how much engagement mm-hmm. there is here versus how much engagement there is in mm-hmm. the U.K. Because mm-hmm. um, this is still a British show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, with a very small channel distributing it, you know, uh, BBC America is co-owned by AMC and BBC Studios, and it does not even its most popular stuff does not get like amazing ratings. Um, although I think That's the true. premiere got like 8 million viewers, That's maybe what that is a lot eight million. It, it's like the best since the reboot. Yeah. So we'll see how much of that audience sustains through to the end. Uh, I think the ratings are already probably good enough that they're going to get a second season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the concern that I had with her is that the interview she gave was that, we want to be inclusive so we're not having any recurring like bad guys from previous seasons, which is true so far. All the the aliens and the monsters. Lying. Well, I don't think we're going to get like Daleks or Cybermen, which are the two major bad guys of Doctor Who. I don't think we're going to get them this season. I think we will probably get at least one of them next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but there are still plenty of references to the old show. I mean, she uses the psychic paper that was introduced in the Chris Eccleston era. She has a sonic screwdriver. She mentions, uh, and you've seen the second episode, you know, that like a keto thing she has yep. that where she, yep. that was invented in like the seventies with the third doctor, John Pertwee. Now he uses that to chop people in the neck. Cause that season they were trying to be like the old British show, the Avengers. It was like a spy show. Mm. Uh, but that's an old idea. Her vocal patterns remind me of Christopher Eccleston. They both have sort of a Northern accent. The, she says when she goes into the TARDIS the first time, she says, I really like it because a bunch of other people have, there've been lots of other episodes where doctors walk into the TARDIS and say, I don't like it, Mm -hmm. including it's like a running gag. So this idea that it's this massive break from what Doctor Who was, I don't really see that. I don't see that as a bad thing. I, I think it's – I was worried about it being alienating to, to older fans, and I, I don't see any of that. I, I think it's – it just feels like Doctor Who. It, feel, it felt like it immediately, and it's pretty much – it's just Doctor Who. I mean, I've probably seen total a half dozen Doctor Who episodes, maybe a couple more, all over all the years. But from what I remember, and and just general instinct, it feels like Doctor Who, that would have been a huge mistake, I agree. And I also agree it doesn't seem like they're doing it. And it's like, you know, it's not like they're not going to comment about her being a woman ever, but they're doing the smart thing and just throwing her in and being like, this is the best person we got for Doctor Who right now. She happens to be a woman. Cool, right? So Yeah, there's moments of it for sure. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. But... Again, it would be a missed opportunity to not have some validation of, yes. you know, why is she in charge yeah. because she is, you know, like, mm-hmm. it'd be stupid to ignore all of that, and they're mm-hmm. not they're not going to, and they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it seems to me to be right now very nicely on that line of obviously trying to speak to women and be empowering without being completely just everybody else can fuck off like it's trying to really be inclusive which is what doctor who is supposed to be about it's what it's always kind of been about and right now they're finding they found a very good balance which is hard to do for anybody and given that chibnall and whitaker are just three episodes in it's been a pretty smooth transition which i wasn't sure how that was all going to go down but so far it's been fine yeah, I mean, she just has that confidence and charisma you need for characters like this. So I was, I bought into it immediately. I love the can-do spirit of it, but it's not yeah. overly corny. You know, it's like you know, someone described it. It's like, well, I have no idea if it's going to work, but I'm going to try it anyways. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure, yeah. fuck it. Like, when that's like the old Star Trek, right? And like Discovery's so dark, and you know, which I which I like, but I do sometimes miss like the gen- next generation of like, let's just solve the problem, right? Let's science yeah. the shit out of it. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, awesome, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. I definitely needed a DC CW heavy podcast. I will yield the floor for you if you have anything else you wanted to talk about. Um, books, comic books, anything? Comics are fine. They're not dead yet, but they're pretty <laughs> close to it. Yeah. Um, seriously, comic book sales, whatever you're reading, they're crap. The comic book industry is weirdly the only version of superheroes that can't find a way to make money oh yeah um uh, which might be mostly diamond distribution's fault because basically mm-hmm. comics worldwide are distributed by one company and that's a lot of power to give one company mm-hmm. um but otherwise i mean i don't i don't know 
where you wanted to go with it. No, no, no. Just if there were any comics you were reading, that's all I was saying. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing. Honestly, I, I'm starting to reach a point where I'm starting to think I maybe I'm starting to age out of all of this, and that maybe yeah. I want to see about trying to sell off some of my old collection, just because sure. I, I don't know. I, I got a lot of comic books, and I my interest in reading them is not nearly as strong as it was even like mm-hmm. two years ago. I, uh, when I do pick it up, it's almost always Image because it's adult. And the other right. cool thing is they don't run every month. They do four to six issues twice a year, like either twice a month or once every, you know, like, yeah, maybe like twice, like every two or three weeks. So mm-hmm. and so they tell these compact stories and it carries over to the other volumes, but it's not like you have to buy every month or every um uh, every you know twice a month or whatever and uh, you know it's very bloody very stylized some of it's quite good though and uh, obviously I like their model with how much freedom and, and stuff that the artists and the, and the writers get so yeah but I'm, I'm with you about the Marvel and DC stuff it's getting hard to read I read the Star Wars stuff for the lore but that's about it right. um, so um, cool Matt well thank you so much for being on um, you guys can reach Matt at Matt Goisman CCT I believe on the Twitter uh, yeah, yeah, M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. I was surprised you didn't want to talk about Ashley Eckstein, but uh, that's fine. We can save that I until knew the end of the Doctor w- Who. Yeah, I knew where the wind was blowing on that one, so I decided to avoid it All right, we'll talk, we'll talk about Mike Because my, just... my, my audience is still in ecstasy that her and the Clone Wars are coming back, so I don't want to hurt I the good times. I wasn't going to crap strange. on her, but we can talk. Yeah. We'll whatever. save it for next time. We'll save it for next time. Yeah. We'll get some other topics. So um, maybe, you know, maybe you see Daredevil 3 and Creed 2, and in a month you come back or something like that. So sure. awesome. All right, well, thanks, Matt. This was great. All right, people, thank you so much for joining us. You can get me, bizzlecast.com, um, for all the sound files. You can get me at uh, biz- uh, facebook.com slash bizzlecast, at thebizzle81 on Twitter. You guys have been awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be coming back at you soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out. <laughs>